0: go have some fun that's right come on let's go got fun stuff to do follow me (laughs) oh how's everybody doing this morning praise God well last week we were celebrating Pentecost Sunday and, you know, that, that's just, um, for me, I said w- when we were opening that it's not something that we normally take a big deal about, you know, to say, oh, it's Pentecost Sunday, let's do, because for the spirit-filled believer, every day is Pentecost. Yeah. <laughs> come on. It, it may have been a special day for the disciples, but he came. He's already come, and he said he'd make his home on the inside of you. Yeah. Come on. And so with Pentecost Sunday, today I want to take, seeing as it's not just a one day a thing, it's an everyday thing for the believer, I want to take Pentecost Sunday, take two. We can have Pentecost every Sunday. We can talk about the Holy Spirit every Sunday. And, you know, in uh, 2021, for the second half of the year, for six months, we took time and we taught on the Holy Spirit, it, his, his, the, the Godship, the Lordship of, of the Holy Spirit, the personhood of the Holy Spirit, the works of the Holy Spirit, whether it be uh, the gifts of the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit, um, and how, how He works and leads and guides us. And so last week and this week is by no means an exhaustive study on this topic because you can keep preaching after six months there was still more stuff that we hadn't uh, taught on but if you want to go on go and learn some more dig a little deeper than what we may talk about today you can go to wordchurch.ca and uh, there in the media section there is a whole series of six months worth of messages just on the holy spirit but after jesus was raised from the dead he didn't just go right to heaven You know, sometimes we compress the timeline so much. We see the death, the burial, the resurrection, and the ascension of Jesus. And we compress that timeline into like just a few short days. But after Jesus rose from the grave, he spent 40 days walking and talking with his disciples. And Acts chapter 1 verse 3 says that he spent that time teaching them the things regarding the kingdom of God. And so as uh, in the first half of this year, that's what we've been talking about. We've been talking about the laws of God, not the do-good-get-goods of God, but the, the principles and the, and the things that govern the kingdom, kind of like how we have the, the laws of physics and the laws of nature. We've been talking about the laws of the kingdom. And so for 40 days, Jesus taught his disciples about the kingdom of God. And he said to them, after the 40 days, he said to them, Now guys, do not leave this city until the Holy Spirit comes. It was so important to him that he gave them this commandment and this directive. Don't leave this city until the Holy Spirit comes. Until you receive the promise of the Father. And it's interesting after he says that their immediate question is uh, is this the time that you're now going to restore the kingdom unto israel so think about this he spent 40 days talking about the kingdom of god and their focus was are you going to restore the kingdom to israel they're still thinking of the things that pressure them in that moment where god is saying i don't The kingdom of Israel, yeah, Israel's the apple of his eye, but he's thinking much wider. He's talking about the kingdom of God. And so even after 40 days of teaching, they still weren't getting it. And so Jesus kind of brushes them off to the side, and he says, Guys, you'll receive power once the Holy Spirit has come upon you. You'll receive ability, efficiency, and might. Once the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and unto the ends of the world. And so they ask him, when will you restore the kingdom of God? And Jesus said, or the kingdom of Israel, and he says, you don't worry about what I'm going to do. I'm telling you what you're going to do. Their focus was, when will you, and Jesus said, the Holy Spirit's going to come upon you, and you will do. And that's an important mindset for us to think about. So many people are like, God, when are you going to do this in my life? When are you going to come through for me? No, when are you going to stand up and use the faith he's given you? When are you going to stand up and act out and be like, no, this is how it's going to be. I'm not going to wait another moment. When will you stand up? And so the the religious mindset will always be looking, God, please do, 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 please, come on. This is what you need to do. Jesus said, it is finished. He said, it's done. The work that needed to be done is done. Now you go in the power of the Holy Spirit. He said, you will receive Power. And we told you last week that is the Greek word dunamis. That's where we get our word dynamite. It's the same root word. What happens when, you're, when you light a stick of dynamite and you stick it in something? It blows up. It rearranges things. If they need a hole through a mountain, they drill a hole, stick some dynamite in there and blow a hole in the side of it. You've received miracle working dynamite power when you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And so Jesus said, don't leave the city until you get the Holy Spirit. It's so important. It was so important to Jesus then that his disciples know and expect that it's coming and then receive. And he came. On the day of Pentecost, when they were all in one accord, which we've spent two weeks talking about that word, that word homothemidin, which means they were moving in one direction with purpose and passion together in unity. And we talked about the first week in worship, the reason why we sing, and if you don't want to sing, just say the words out, it's bringing us into a common line of thought. We are making declarations with our mouth about the goodness of God, about what he has done. And we talked about how worship is not a spectator sport. It's a participator sport. Flowing with the Holy Spirit is the same way. It is not a spectator sport. It's a participation sport. It says that the Holy Spirit takes hold with us and girds us up in our weaknesses. If I were to ask Toph to come and help me move this table... Come on, Tob. get up, pay attention, stay with me here. I it was hypothetical. <laughs> okay, we're going to move this table together. We're going to move that table. Come on, why isn't the table moving? Because he says he takes hold together with us. Put it down. <laughs> Sit down. <laughs> pay attention, stay with me. The Holy Spirit takes hold with us. And so when they were looking, saying, Jesus, when will you do this? He's saying, no, 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 no. In the power of the Holy Spirit, you'll go together. And when we talk about the word homothemidin, they were in one accord. They were of passion and purpose flowing in the same direction, together in unity. The Holy Spirit flows in unity. He flows in agreement with the word of God He does it will never flow outside of the word of God Because he's the one who inspired the word of God And so last week we were in John chapter 14 And I want to back up a few verses today And uh, look at it a little bit wider And the context of John 14 is This is the final teaching that Jesus is giving his disciples This is just moments and a few hours before Jesus is arrested and then taken and beaten, and then crucified, and goes into the grave. This is the last teaching he's giving them. And so in chapter 14, he starts off with, he says, Guys, I'm going. I'm going to prepare a place for you. In my father's mansion, there's many mansions. And if it were not so, I would have told you. He tells them that they can be at peace. They don't have to get anxious about anything. But he says, but I'm going. And it's not the first time he's told them this. But at this time, when he says, guys, I'm going to go prepare a place so that you might also come where I go. And of course, doubting Thomas, he's the one that speaks up and says, we don't know where you're going, so how are we going to know the way? And Jesus basically just brushes him off. But then Philip says this in chapter 14, verse 8. He says, Lord, just show us the Father and that is sufficient for us just show us the father and that's enough that's all we need we don't care about where you're going we don't need to know how to get there philip says this is what's really important to us god show us the father and that's enough You know, I think we're like that as Christians a lot of times. God, this is what I need you to do. This is what I need you to show me. And he's saying, you have no idea where you're even going. Why don't you just follow me and let me lead you in the direction you need to go? And so Philip thinks he's got it all figured out. And he says, Lord, just show us God, and that is enough. And Jesus says to him, have I been with you so long, and yet you still have not known me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father. So how can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I'm in the Father and the Father's in me? This is a very important place for us to start when talking about the Holy Spirit. And you could say, why? He's talking about the Father. No, he's talking about his uh, relationship and how he has been immersed into God. And that's important for what he's about to talk next says don't you believe that the father's in me philip don't you believe that he says the words that i speak i don't speak of my own authority but whatever but the father who dwells in me he does the works and so he says believe me or have faith that i'm in the father and the father's in me or else just simply believe me for the work's sake He's like, Philip, if you, if you don't believe that God's in me, how do you think all of this stuff has been happening? Yeah. Yeah. What have they seen? They saw the, the, the blind, got their sight back. They saw the lame begin to walk. They've seen the dead raised. They've seen the sea calmed. Yeah. They've seen the 5,000 fed, which was more like 20,000 because it only said 5,000 men. We saw the 4,000 fed. He's like, if you don't believe that the Father's in me, at least, what do you, where do these works come from? Where is this power flowing from? And what did we say last week? When did Jesus' miracles begin to flow? After the infilling of the Holy Spirit. When John baptized him with water, as he came up out of the water, God spoke down from heaven and said, this is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. And then the Holy Spirit came down, And rested upon him. And then Jesus goes into the desert. He's tempted by the devil. You know, it's funny, the devil came immediately. Remember, we've been talking about that over the last few weeks, how he immediately comes because he wants to stop you at the beginning. Because once you get moving, once you get rolling down the road, he knows he has no power to stop you. And so Jesus is filled with the Holy Spirit, and immediately the devil comes to tempt him and try to get him off, saying, bow down and worship me. And Jesus keeps speaking the word to him. And then he comes out of the desert, and the Bible says in John, it says that he comes out in the power of the Holy Spirit, and then we see the water turned into wine. Then we see the miracles begin to happen after the infilling of the Holy Spirit. And so Jesus says to them here in verse eleven, "Believe me that I'm in the in the Father and the Father's in me, or else believe me for the works themselves." For most assuredly, or truly I say to you, he who believes in me or has faith in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these will he do because I go to my Father. This is a huge statement for a lot of people to stomach. Just let it sit in for a second. He said, what you've seen me do with the father working through me by the power of the holy spirit you'll do too that if that was the whole statement that would be enough to go wow why blind saw lame walked dead raised water stilled walked upon the water Fed the 5,000, fed the 4,000. Come on, we can go through all the different miracles of Jesus. If that part of the statement was all there was, that would be enough to go, wow. But that's not where he ended. He said, you'll do what I do and greater. Now, I want everybody to look at the bottom there. It says John 14, 12. It doesn't say Jordan Marshall on June 4th (laughs) these are the words of Jesus from the Bible and so when we've been talking about especially when we were talking about the law of faith we have to change our thinking and what we believe based around what he says not what we've experienced or what we've thought and so here Jesus says guys what I did, you will do, and greater. Because I go to my Father. Why? Well, he tells him in verse 16. I'm going to the Father, I'm going to pr- talk to Him, and He's going to give you a helper that will abide with you forever. Say forever. forever. Why do we emphasize forever there? Because there's a whole brand of Christianity that talks about the works and the gifts and the flowing of the Holy Spirit stopped with the apostles. But that's not forever. That would be a lifetime, right? He said the Holy Spirit is coming. God's going to send him. He's going to be your helper, and he's going to do it forever. Later on in the Bible, he says, How will the Father not give the Holy Spirit to anyone who asks? He says, As many as are far off, as many as who will believe. And so when we look at the works of the Holy Spirit, Jesus said, you're gonna do the works that I did and even greater, because the Holy Spirit is coming to you, and he's staying forever, and that's a very important thing for us to grab onto today, because it hasn't ended, it didn't end with the disciples, it didn't end with the early church, it didn't end with any of the great people of the church that we've seen over the last 2,000 years, as he was then, he is today, because he's coming forever, and greater works than Jesus did, the church has has been called to do and because that's such a great statement to try and stomach and wrap our minds around we try to we make statements we were talking about this on friday we say like oh well it will be greater because there'll be more christians than jesus it was not just jesus anymore there'll be one in europe there'll be one in south america you know we'll be spread out that's true we get to go all kinds of places jesus never went we get to talk to all kinds of cultures and experience things that he never had access to in his time and so yes the scope will be greater but the power is the same And as Jesus did, we get filled with the Holy Spirit and empowered to do the same thing. He said, but when you receive the Holy Spirit, you receive that power, that might, that ability, that efficiency. Come on, you know, I was thinking about that word efficiency in the definition. You know, for those of us that aren't very, you know, well-organized, thank God for the Holy Spirit. He can organize you and get you moving efficiently. Hallelujah, that's a good thing because sometimes I'm like, I don't even know where to begin. Thank God the Holy Spirit does He brings efficiency. He brings ability. He brings power He brings might and he empowers you not only to do what Jesus has done man. He says greater Come on Greater there are lots of miracles that Jesus didn't do that we have from church history that I would say fall into a greater scope. We've seen people raised from the dead, but I was thinking about one. There was a missionary down in Mexico and uh, he was uh, going up the, up the switchbacks as him and a whole village was moving to another area and they were going up the switchbacks up the side of this mountain and there was this little girl that was skipping along and playing and her mother kept saying, you know, stay back from the edge, stay back from the edge and she didn't listen and she slipped off the side and fell like, it was like four or 500 feet down to the rocks below and splat. To be graphic, her head basically exploded when she hit the ground and there he was and so it took them a few minutes to rush back down the side of the mountain and when he got there, the Holy Spirit said to him, raise her from the dead. And he said, I can't do that. <laughs> we, we, we see what it looks like. You know, when you think of Lazarus, at least Lazarus was all in one container. Come on. We're, I just want, I want us to get around this idea of greater works. Because there's things that have been done by spirit-filled people that Jesus didn't do in his lifetime, but that's okay. He said greater. And so him and some of the adults that had gotten down there, they gathered around this child and they said, we speak life to this body in the name of Jesus. We command, de- rebuke death and we speak life to her. And she came back. Everything healed up and the little girl got up. But yet, that which had exploded was still on the rocks. I'm talking about greater works. We don't have to put limitations on what God can do through you, through the power of the Holy Spirit. He said, what I've done, you will do, and greater. Which causes us, we have to have a shift in our thinking of what is possible to us. Because most of us would never even dream that I can do the works of Jesus, but Jesus said you would do them. Only believe. Jesus said all things are possible to him who believes. And so he says, I'm going to pray the Father, and he'll send another helper to you that he may abide with you forever. And it's the Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him. For he dwells with you and will be in you. And I told you last week the reason why Jesus could say he's been dwelling with you this whole time is because the Holy Spirit was in Jesus dwelling amongst them. And he said to them, it's not just going to be amongst you, he's going to come and be in you. But we said that the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. And we can't draw from our experience in the world to understand and experience the Holy Spirit. We can only look to the word and we can look to God. The world cannot tell you How the Holy Spirit is supposed to flow in your life Because it doesn't know him It doesn't see him So we have to stop referencing Old things to say what's possible To you today You have one reference book for that It's called the Bible And so this morning In the time that we have left I want to talk about why the Holy Spirit Is so important Well Jesus said in John 16 Nevertheless I tell you the truth It's to your Advantage that I go away For if I don't go away the helper will not come But if I depart I'm going to send him to you Jesus said that the Holy Spirit would give you an advantage And I said this last time I think I preached on the Holy Spirit and I got to keep incorporating in The Holy Spirit is the greatest cheat card that you could ever have He has no problem with you cheating in life The Holy Spirit gives you an unfair advantage when it comes to the things of life. And that's okay. There's nothing wrong with it. Jesus said it's to your advantage. He said that's quite all right with me. I want you to go into life with an unfair advantage over whatever you will face. And so many Christians in the body of Christ are just trying to say, oh, if I could just get enough power to get over. No, you don't have just enough power to get over. You have been seated far above all principality and power and might and dominion in this age and everything that is to come because you're seated in heavenly places with Christ. So it's not a, I'm trying to get enough to get up to the situation. You have an advantage, an unfair advantage and Jesus thought it was fine hallelujah we have an advantage in john 16 13 it says however when he the spirit of truth has come he will guide you into all truth let's think about that for seven it doesn't matter what situation you walk into you don't have to know everything especially like think of this in like business When you get into partnerships with people, you don't always know what they're truly thinking behind the scenes. But you know who does? The Holy Spirit. And he will guide you into truth. And you may not know naturally, but he'll say, "Uh, uh, uh-uh-uh, don't make the deal with that person. Why? Because he knows better than you do. He will guide you into what is truth. What is true in every situation. And so we need to change our thinking to that when I come on the scene, I'm gonna know exactly what I need to do and what I need to not do. Why? Because Holy Spirit, I expect that you will guide me. Yeah, yeah. And when we think about the idea of a guide, when you hire a guide to take you on a trail that you've never been, you let them lead. Yeah. Why? Because they know where they're going. They know what they're doing. What you don't do, you get way out ahead of them, and you start taking this turn and that turn and that turn, and you realize, where's the guide? You should have stayed with the guide because he knows where he's going, even if you don't. But if you don't follow the guide, what's the point of having a guide? And it says, and he will not speak of his own authority. Whatever he hears, he will speak. Isn't that the same thing Jesus said? I only say what I hear my father say and I only do what I see him do. How is he hearing what the father was saying and knowing what to do? Through the Holy Spirit on the inside who doesn't speak what he wants to talk about. He speaks what God wants to talk about. And he'll tell you things to come. With the Holy Spirit, we don't have to be in the dark about anything. It says he'll not only guide us, he will tell us things to come. Yes. And I think it's incumbent upon us that as when you become a spirit-filled believer is you, you need to listen. Take time to listen so that he can tell you things to come. You know, there, there's a lot of times that I've had in my life where it's like I had impressions of like, oh, I think this is what's going on. I just kind of push them down. And then you get in this situation and it happens and you're like, I knew it. I knew ahead of time. How did I know that? the Holy Spirit. Yeah. There should be an expectation that I'm just going to know things before I need to know them so that He preps me before I even get there. Why? Because He's the guide. He takes you left and right and up and down and wherever you need to be as we listen. And He will show you things to come. He will glorify Jesus. Because He will take of that His and He'll declare it to you. And it says the helper in John 14:26. The Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you some things. All things. And he'll bring things to your remembrance. All the things that I've said to you. That's an important one. The Holy Spirit will not only tell you things ahead of time, but when you're screwing up, he'll be like, hey, remember this? Go back and do it. He'll bring things to your remembrance. And we can use these in such simple ways too. It's like I used to always be forgetting my keys and I'd get out in the truck and be ready to go and be like, ah, oh, I gotta go back into the house and get my keys. And after doing that, I felt, I felt like I was in this cycle of almost doing it several times a week. I said to the Holy Spirit, hey, can you remind me? Can you tell me when I've forgotten my keys? And you know what he started doing? And I'd be like, yep, grab those keys. You know, that's that efficiency thing. You don't have to be disorganized all the time when you've got the greatest organizational mind ever, living on the inside of you when you receive him. And so we don't have to be in the dark about anything with the Holy Spirit. And so today I want to take a look over in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. How's everybody doing? 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And in verse 1, The apostle Paul says, now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I don't want you to be ignorant. That's quite a statement. In this topic, guys, I don't want you to be ignorant. And why is it that this topic in the body of Christ is one of the ones that has the greatest level of ignorance? People don't know, and it almost seems sometimes that most of the body of Christ doesn't care. But Paul said, guys, concerning things of the spirit, I don't want you ignorant. So I'm going to teach you about them. Now, it's important to point out here, it says, now concerning spiritual gifts, the word gifts there is in italics, which means that it was added by the translators for ease of reading, which means it's not there. Paul said, now concerning spirituals, brethren, I don't want you to be ignorant. Concerning the way the spirit moves and the way that he'll operate and manifest and express himself in your life, I don't want you to be ignorant. Ignorant. Paul didn't say gifts there, he just said, now concerning the things of the Spirit. And it's important to say that because sometimes when we think of gifts, we all then go, well, that person has that gift, and I don't have that gift. No, but you have the Holy Spirit who has all the gifts. So now concerning how the Holy Spirit moves, I don't want you to be ignorant. He says there are diversities of gifts, but it's the same Spirit. There are differences of ministries, but it's the same Lord. There are diversities of activities, but it's the same God that works all in all. And so there's different ways the Holy Spirit will act, but it's all the same God, the same Spirit working through. And he says this in verse 7, but the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. Let's go ahead and say that word together. Each one. Now, let's go ahead and say another word together. Me. Me. Each one, or you, including all of us, the manifestation or the expressions of the Spirit are given to everyone for the profit of all. That's an important thing to point out there. It's not for the profit of just you. Because there's a lot of selfish christianity out there lord i need this i need that do this for me the manifestation of the spirit is for the profit of all when the holy spirit moves and begins to express in different ways in which paul will talk about in a moment he says it's to build and strengthen and increase all and the all that he's talking about is the church or the body of christ It's the all. Every part has a function and every part does something and it all builds up us all. And so when the Holy Spirit moves, he'll not only build up you, but he will build up those around you. He will strengthen you. And so if it's only benefiting you all the time, I have to question whether it's really the Holy Spirit moving through you because he will lift up all through each one of us. Amen? And so Paul begins to break down different ways that the Holy Spirit is expressed through these gifts, these spiritual gifts. And he says to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit. You say, what's a word of wisdom? Well, just a simple definition is thoughts are facts in the mind of God concerning things present or past. When the word of, uh, of uh, sorry, sorry, I've got them backwards. Better read myself. The word of wisdom is thoughts and facts in the mind of God concerning things to come. The word of wisdom deals with things to come. Didn't we say the Holy Spirit will show you things to come? So we shouldn't be surprised that one of the way the gifts of the Spirit manifest is showing you things to come. And so the word of wisdom is thoughts and the facts in the mind of God concerning things to come. And so sometimes the Holy Spirit will rise up on the inside of you, and it's like you know something that's just ahead. Or you know a direction that you need to begin going in your life. Or you know something that you need to say to someone. Or you need something you need to change within your business. Or whatever. The Holy Spirit, through the word of wisdom, will direct you concerning future things. That's just the word of wisdom let's try and break these down as simple as possible. We don't need to over-spiritualize all these things, right? So one is given the word of wisdom, and to another, a word of knowledge through the same spirit. A word of knowledge is different from word of wisdom, where word of wisdom looks at future things. The word of knowledge are thoughts and facts concerning things that are present or past. And so sometimes, especially this seems to flow a lot with ministers, it's like when you're ministering to people, it's like all of a sudden you know something that they're going through, something that's going on in their life right now that you need to then minister through and get lift them up. Yeah. And so he'll t- give you tidbits into their life concerning things going on or things that have happened from the past. Now, concerning both of these different expressions, the word of wisdom and the word of knowledge, This is important that we always point this out. It's a word, not a book. Just because God told you something that's going on in someone's life, that does not represent the totality of who they are. He's giving you a little glimpse, a word, in order to bring profit and increase to all, to strengthen and to build up. It's just a word. And so we don't define that moment as the totality. And we don't define that person of ever, about that this is everything that has to do with them. It's just a little glimpse. And in the same way, when it's word of wisdom looking forward, he's not going to tell you about everything that you're going to see in your life ahead. He's going to tell you what you need to know. And so we don't need to get concerned about not seeing the whole picture. You just need to see what he needs you to see for the next step. It's just like the same way that the word of God works. The the book of Psalms says his word is a light unto my path. And the idea is if you have like a lantern and you're walking through, uh, say, a garden at night, the lantern only shines so far, but it shines on the next step. And that's why the Bible says the steps of a righteous man are ordered of the Lord. Amen? Amen. And so we should have an expectation on the inside of us that there are going to be times where I just know exactly what I need to know. And that things are going to rise up on the inside of us concerning whether past or present or future. It doesn't matter. That's just a way the Holy Spirit manifests. And it's a way that Paul said, Guys, I don't want you to be ignorant that this is how the Holy Spirit flows. Next verse, he says, to another, faith by the same spirit. This is not simple faith or just regular faith like we talked about under the law of faith a few months ago. This is basically, if you want to define the gift of faith, it could be said this way. It's God believing through you. You know, there's times where you are the one doing the believing. When the gift of faith comes on the scene, it's just like, you can't doubt. It seems like there's a spirit that comes upon you. It's like, ah. I just, I just know that this is happening and there's no doubt at all in it. Because it's not you, it's the Holy Spirit bringing the gift of faith enabling you to believe in that moment. Not that your faith isn't not enough. You've got the same faith that Jesus had. But it's the Holy Spirit taking hold with you and believing through you. And he goes on he says, and to another, gifts of healings. By the same Spirit, the same Spirit that's in every spirit filled believer. He distributes gifts of healing. And we always need to point out here it says gifts and not gift. Because there are many people throughout church history, oh, I've got the gift of healing. No, the Holy Spirit distributes gifts of healings to those who you minister to. And it's not a gift that's been given to you, it's a gift that is distributed through you. And it'll be a gift for you, and a gift for you, a gift for you, and I am just happen to be the one that he's flowing through. And so it's gifts of healings, and that's really self-explanatory because we see Jesus ministering gifts of healings to all kinds of people throughout his ministry. Yeah. Yeah. Wherever he went, he healed all. That's what Acts 10.38 said, Peter uh, preaching in Acts 10.38 says how God anointed Jesus with the Holy Spirit and with power who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil for God was with him. And so we see through the power of the Holy Spirit, these gifts of healings flowed to all those that Jesus came in contact with. He goes on in verse 10, he says, to another working of miracles. And you could say, well, didn't we already have healings? Well, miracles is a little bit different. Miracles is a supernatural suspension of the natural law of things. You want to see a a, a miracle at work? Jesus walking on the water. That's a suspension of the laws of nature, right? You don't walk on water, you swim in water because you sunk, and so a miracle would be a supernatural suspension of how things normally are. You know, Brother Hagin talked about in one of his meetings when he was uh, um, pastoring his last church in the, in the mid-early 40s, that there was this lady that was in his church that the spirit of God came upon her one night and she came up and she began to dance across the altar, they would have had altar benches in those old churches and she was dancing with her eyes closed and singing out of her spirit different healings and miracles and salvations and as she would begin to sing out of the spirit and whatever the ailment was, say like bad back or whatever, a person would be like, hey that's me, they came down and they knelt down at the altar there and as she went through and she sang out several different salvations and healings and when she was done, she just with their eyes closed under the power of the Holy Spirit just danced right off the end of that altar bunch out into the air and then walked back onto it and then came up with their eyes open and went back down to her chair. And people could say, well I just don't believe that would happen. Did you not see Jesus walk on the water? Whether it's air or whether it's water, both those things when you step out into them, you sink. Well that was Jesus. Did we not read the story where he said, Jesus if that's you, Peter calling to him bid me to come and Jesus said Come. And Peter got out and walked on the water. Whether it's a miracle for Jesus or a miracle for Peter or a miracle for you, the Holy Spirit flows in miracles. To another prophecy... This is just inspired speech or inspired utterance that brings edification, exhortation, and comfort to people. Sometimes it seems like you're in a situation and someone's going through maybe having a day of a bit of a funk. You're just like, ugh. And the Holy Spirit rises up on the inside of you and gives you a way to encourage them and tells you exactly what you need to say to them. And it stirs them up and gets them going back around on the right path. That's prophecy. It's inspired utterance. We often mark prophecy down as like, oh, thus saith the Lord. There's a great color coming. You know, we, we tie it to Old Testament prophecy, but the New Testament prophecy is edification, exhortation, and comfort. And so the Holy Spirit will give you the right thing to say to people at the right time to inspire them and comfort them. Well, I wish someone would comfort me. You know what? He can give a gift of prophecy to you for you too. Come on, to stir yourself up. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He says to another different kinds of tongues and to another interpretation of tongues and now this is the corporate gift of tongues and interpretation not to be confused with the personal gift that comes with the Holy Spirit but there'll be times where the where by the power of the Holy Spirit he will give you a message in diverse tongues or another tongues or heavenly language Paul said of himself he said though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and we look at this as a negative verse, but, because, but have not love. I'm like a sounding cymbal or a sounding brass. That didn't mean that speaking in other tongues is not good. No, he's saying do it with love. <laughs> you know, love was the, mo- was the central factor of that statement. But Paul said, though I speak with men's tongues or angels' tongues, it doesn't matter which one it is. And so here he says there will be different, ti- different times that the God will want to speak out a message in diverse tongues. Pastor Robin and Wendy flow in this way a lot where God seems to give Pastor Robin a tongue and then Pastor Wendy has the interpretation of that tongue. And so these ones are pretty self-explanatory. One speaks, the other interprets what is, the, what is said. And that flows through the Holy Spirit. But one and the same Spirit works all these things distributing to each one individually as he wills. And sometimes we can get hung up on that statement, well, it has to be as the Holy Spirit wills. Well, I would wager to tell you that the Holy Spirit's more willing than you are. (laughs) Because by the power of the Holy Spirit, Jesus went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil wherever he went because God is with him by the power of the Spirit. The power of the Spirit in you, the Holy Spirit's more willing to move in these ways than we probably are. And why, why, why would we be unwilling? Fear. Yeah. I don't want to say that. I don't want to look stupid. What if I'm wrong? Oh, that sounds a little goofy. Why would I want to do that? Well, the Bible says this is the way the Holy Spirit moves. Right. And so Paul, in that statement there, he breaks down nine different gifts or nine different ways that the Holy Spirit flow. This is no way an exhaustive lift because a lot of times the Holy Spirit will flow multiple gifts together. Yeah. You know, Brother Hagin used to say that to raise the dead, you need the gift of faith, the working of miracles working together and healing to keep the person alive because they obviously are dead. We're dead. And so just because Paul separated them nine ways doesn't mean that they might not flow together in different ways Come on, we're just stirring you up on... The Holy Spirit is to your advantage. And Jesus said that you will receive power when he's come upon you. And so the biggest disservice that we can do as Christians when we receive the gift of the Holy Spirit is live like we've always lived and live like everybody else lives because Jesus said it'd be different. He didn't say you'll receive power that no one will ever see and never know and you'll do everything you've always done and be just like everybody else. That's not what he said. You, he said, you'd receive might and power, ability and efficiency. things should change by the power of the Holy Spirit, who distributes these expressions and these manifestations through each one individually as He wills, but the Holy Spirit always works together with us." And he says, "For as the body has, uh, is, the body is one and has many members, but all the members of that one body, Being many are one body, so also is Christ. So as Jesus said, I'm in the Father and the Father's in me. I've been filled with the Holy Spirit. He goes on in John chapter 7 and he says, Father, this is him talking to God and praying. He says, Father, make them one with us just as I'm one with you. And Jesus went and did it. And he said to his disciples, don't leave without getting the Holy Spirit and if it was beneficial for them it's beneficial for us Jesus said how will the whole God the Father not give the Holy Spirit to anyone who asks the Holy Spirit only goes where he's welcome he only inhabits a being that he's invited into And it's a gift that Jesus left for us. A gift that enables power, that gives us an advantage, that causes us to just to live differently. And when we see the way that the world is going in these days, different is what is needed. If everybody's moving in one direction, heading down to destruction, I want to walk the other way. I want to be different. I wanted to live different. Right. And through the power of the Holy Spirit, He enables us to do that. Yes. And so, Father, we thank you for the gift of the Holy Spirit. We thank you that you left him here for us, that he came on that day of Pentecost, but Pentecost is every day now, and that that Holy Spirit that you've given, he himself is here for us in that day, that as many as of us would receive him, that you would come and make your home and abide on the inside of us. And so, Father, we just thank you for that gift of the Holy Spirit. We honor you, Jesus, for your wisdom and your foresight to send him back to us because you knew that we needed him, even in this day that we live today. And so we thank you for it, in Jesus' name. Amen. Now this morning, if you haven't received the gift of the Holy Spirit, you've never asked for him, you've never been filled with the Holy Spirit, with the evidence of speaking in other tongues, I encourage you, don't leave here today until you get that pastor robin and wendy are on altar care today and pastor wendy is just awesome at leading people into the infilling of the holy spirit and so don't leave here today without it jesus thought it was so important for his disciples it's just as important for us in this day so they're going to be up here in just a moment and they'd love to pray with you about anything and uh pastor robin you're up
1: oh glory hot mic hot mic that's well, offering time and uh i'm in second corinthians 9 verse 7 and so it says so let each one give as he purposes in his heart not grudgingly or of necessity for and necessity based means compulsion we're not we're not pressuring anybody to give giving is just a lifestyle that uh there's a benefit to us it's like having the holy spirit's an advantage uh, necessity for God loves a cheerful giver. And that word cheerful is actually the Greek word is hileros, which where we get a word hilarious. So God loves h- hilarious givers. <laughs> Amen? Amen. And the reason we can be hilarious in giving is because when you sow, you reap. Amen? You know, God has been so good. So if you are ready to give or you're going to give online, Wordchurch.ca forward slash give and or in envelopes in the, in the pew in front of you, seat in front of you and their basket at the back. Amen. Um, we, I was just considering that, you know, uh, pastor's message regarding getting, you know, the infilling of the Holy Spirit. Um, I've, I lived my first 23 years without the infilling of the Holy Spirit. I've lived the last 43 with the infilling. Well, that's sort of getting my age, didn't it? Um, 43 years with the Holy Spirit. I can tell you, advantage, 43 years. It's just been, you know, quite a ride. And the miraculous and the words of wisdom and the words of knowledge. And, and uh, yeah, it's been unfair to, the, you know, maybe some people around us that are living in the world's way. But when God, when you got the advantage with God, with the Holy Spirit, amen, it makes us overcomers, victorious in all things. Amen? Amen. So if you, if you need or want um, or considering that you feel the Holy Spirit, we will be here in just a minute. Come on up. We would love to pray with you and uh, send you on your way with an advantage. Amen? Amen. Amen.